Welcome to the Dare to Multiply podcast. On this podcast, we help passionate Jesus followers become courageous, obedient disciples who impact their communities for the kingdom of God. I'm your host, Cynthia Anderson, a disciple multiplication coach and trainer. I'm going to show you how to make and multiply disciples in your area. God's got great things ahead for you. Let's dare to multiply. Today on the podcast, I'm interviewing Daniel M. from Edmonton, Canada. He's of Korean origin and someone who has been a a pastor. He's been someone who's been a trainer of pastors. He's an author. And you are going to love his passion and heart for disciple multiplication. It's a little bit different interview as Daniel's not necessarily in the DMM, CPM space, but he has a passion for his city and is equipping his people to dare to multiply. And they are seeing multiplication as well. So I know you're going to love this interview and we'll be right back with Daniel in just a moment. Are you busy but not seeing the fruit you long for? Dissatisfied with your present level of impact on those around you? Are frustrated with traditional methods of discipleship that don't seem to be effective? If so, the Getting Started in Disciple Making Movements course may be just what you need. Inside the Getting Started program, you'll get access to a step-by-step proven approach to making and multiplying disciples. Not only will you receive 25 short and practical video teachings spread out over six modules, but you'll have a chance to connect with others for group coaching via our monthly Zoom calls. And even more importantly, you'll become part of a global community of like-minded people from all over the world who are passionately committed to following Jesus and impacting others around them. If you want to get unstuck and begin moving forward as a disciple who makes disciples, I encourage you to go to courses.dmmsfrontiermissions.com and sign up for this powerful program today. And now to today's episode. Daniel, it's such a pleasure to have you with us and really, really excited about this conversation. But Daniel, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are, and especially how you got interested in the journey of multiplying disciples and Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure. Well, Cynthia, thank you for having me on. It's an honor to to be here with you and love talking about discipleship and multiplication. So this is going to be a fun time together. Uh, I am married. uh, This year is going to be 17 years. We have Christina and we have three children. So we live in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada at the moment. And it's been, yeah, we've been here probably for the last four years. I've been lived in a, a lot of different places, born and raised in Vancouver, Canada. But yeah, we came back four years ago to do lead pastor succession. So I've been in the, the lead pastor seat at Beulah Alliance Church for the last two years. Okay, awesome. Wow. 17 years. My husband and I just celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary last weekend. Awesome. So, yeah, <laughs> right marriage is an awesome thing. Yeah, and I know <laughs> you is, guys, you, you believe in marriage, and you guys even have a yeah. podcast about marriage, isn't it? Or uh, Yeah, that's right. It's issue. it's our last name, Im, In Between. So not In Between, yeah. In Between podcast. So that's a neat. She, My wife uh, is a social worker and and she's doing her master's of counseling psychology so it's it's a bit of a therapy and theology mixed together sort of podcast as a pastor you know we kind of mix that in and talk about marriage and parenting so it's a fun it's a fun ministry that we have together (laughs) that's very cool well this podcast is not so much about marriage but having healthy marriages is really really key to being the kind of leader that catalyzes movement so uh, yeah, super yeah. glad. I, I'm really glad you mentioned that, and we got a chance to talk about that too. Um, also, I just have to ask: you are you look Asian? Um, we have lots yeah. of listeners from the global south. Are you Korean? Are you? Tell us about yeah, your heritage. Yeah, yeah. So I'm Korean Canadian, born and raised in Vancouver, but my parents immigrated from South Korea in the '70s. So, okay. yeah, and I actually pastored in Korea for a couple of years, 2008 to 2010. And okay. yeah, I've never been to Chiang Mai, but I, I was, we did do missions in Chiang Rai 
uh, out of the church from Korea. So yeah, love Thailand as uh, well. <laughs> that's great. Well, wonderful to meet a Korean. I know the Asians who are listening and who will watch this will be excited that I'm having an Asian yeah. on. So, and um, my right. son Represent. actually married <laughs> married a Korean. So I love oh, Koreans. Oh, awesome. And so, yeah. Oh, great. Um, wonderful. We, yeah. And I noticed that at least one of your books is translated into Korean as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was neat mm-hmm. to, to see planting missional churches translated. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, you are a you've written quite a few books. You have a new one out, um, and I know the first book of yours that I read was No Silver Silver Bullets, um, yeah, a great mm-hmm. book. And yeah, but you have a recent one out, which is kind of what I thought we would title this talk was um, about is lies we believe about your 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 book has work life and love in it, but I added disciple making because there's lies we believe. About yeah, I that love that. Well. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> so, um, looking forward to talking about that. But tell us, yeah, tell us a little bit about your book and um, yeah, why you wrote it, and, and let's uh, yeah, let's yeah. dive in. Yeah, so so the last one that I wrote is called You Are What You Do and Six Other Lies About Work, Life, and Love. And and the idea of that book, my, my other ones were really directed toward pastors and church leaders. But this last one that I did, I wanted to, I, I wrote it more as a pre-evangelistic sort of book. Mm. So the idea is here are seven lies that we believe that our culture feeds us underneath the surface. I get into some research around the gig economy and side hustles and how that actually played into the cultivation of these lies. But really the heart of the book, the first 75% of each chapter, is no Bible, it's all cultural apologetics Mm. to the sense where, hey, you could give this to a friend who doesn't follow Christ or who is seeking or who's interested. And it's this opportunity to have this conversation Mm. about, yeah, what, how do I see my work as my identity or experiences or the things that I have, or even parenting as my identity? Mm. And the last 20 to 25% of the chapter is it, 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 it's successive and on how it builds. And there's a little bit more Jesus and a little bit more gospel to the point where the last chapter is you are your past. And then I share the gospel in a, in a lightweight sort of way, mm. because really the idea is that the book was intended to be this, let's read it together. Let's process together for those of you who are, who have friends who are seeking Christ. And, and, and it's, it was, it was, that was the dream of the book okay and, yeah. and how I initially wrote it. And then the pandemic hit a month later and, <laughs> and that, that happened. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. actually really helpful to hear the background as to why you wrote it and who the audience is and what you were thinking the purpose of the book would be. Um, I, I, when I read it, I thought, well, this is quite different from his other books. And, um, yeah, that's right. yeah, I was like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And, and, um, yeah, wonderful that you're creating that kind of a resource for people to have those conversations with people around yeah. them. Um, some of the other, and that, was, and that was my heart, right? I mean, my heart in and through the whole thing, as I was researching, as I was writing, it was just a constant prayer. Mm. Lord, would you lead people back to yourself? Yeah. Would you, would this book more than anything be just, just be used to, to show people the hope that we have in Christ, the meaning that we can have in him and following him. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, and, and in terms of making disciples that make disciples, I mean, if we're, <laughs> if, if we're following this Western consumeristic notion and model of disciple making where you're the disciple maker and me, I'm a follower, I'm a consumer mm-hmm. and it's all up to you and not me, then, you know, there's no, it's, it's not multiplication oriented when you think about it like that. So we need to figure out our identity, right? And, and that's part of the idea around the book. Yeah, that's so good. And mm-hmm. I know in my journey, I've found that identifying lies that I've unconsciously begun to believe are false beliefs, um, even about disciple making is so key to then getting on the right track of you know, even things oh, yeah. like uh, the harvest is ripe is one that that was big for me. You know, we so easily can believe nobody wants to hear what I have to say. 
nobody's yeah. interested <laughs> out there. And then we never share the gospel. Why would we if we already believe that? But identifying um, those lies that we've um, believed about life and ministry and disciple oh, makes huge. Yeah. I mean, even going off of what you just said, right? I mean, it, in Matthew 9, 35 to 38, Jesus does say the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And I think on one hand, we can take that. And if you're more of the mindset of let's get it done, then it's like, oh, yeah, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Let's go multiply leaders. Let's do this. Let's build up leaders. Let's train. Let's disciple and make disciples. And, and yes, to all of that. But Jesus actually said, so then pray. <laughs> right. So there is the sense in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, where there is this go and make disciples. But in that passage in Matthew 9, Jesus says, pray. The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. So pray. And how much you can't have a disciple making movement if you're not praying and fasting. That's right. And how do you how do you have workers? How do you multiply workers and find them and recruit? Yeah, there's quote unquote best practices. But if it's not girded by a foundation of prayer, then what are we doing, right? So that would be Absolutely. that would be one of those lies that we believe about full making. Yeah, yeah, or that mm -hmm. that we have to do it all ourselves, or it's all up to oh, us, yeah, or completely. it's all about the method. That's another one I think people yeah, get right. get stuck in. You know, if I do everything yeah, right. right and do it this right way, it's going to work. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, give me the 10 steps. Yep, yep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's really all about him doing it through us, but that he wants to. Yeah, that's right. You know, again, he yeah, really wants right. to. So, yeah. Well, tell me a little bit more. How did you get interested in disciple making and disciple multiplication, mm -hmm. church multiplication? I know you and Ed mm -hmm. wrote a book together on planning churches mm -hmm. that multiply. How did you yeah. get exposed to this idea or interested in multiplication? Yeah, it's a good question. I grew up in a Presbyterian church, a Korean, a Korean Presbyterian church in Vancouver. And the liturgy that I grew up in was probably more about orthodoxy than orthopraxy. Mm. Not that the church wasn't about that but there is probably a greater emphasis on knowledge than action mm. now if i were to interview any of the pastors that i sat under they'd be like no but we wanted to move you toward <laughs> practice and we wanted to and you know it's like yes i i get that as a pastor myself I, I i get that but for me as i reflect on my growing up in that and and the messages i heard and the ministry that i experienced there was definitely probably a greater emphasis on the orthodoxy than the orthopraxy so I remember entering into university, knowing that there is this thing called the Great Commission, but not knowing what to do with it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I honestly didn't know what to do with it. I remember inviting a friend to my church because I thought that was evangelism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he wasn't Korean and I went to a Korean church. It was an English ministry, but it was weird for him because he wasn't Korean. So that was, I was like, that didn't really work. And and plus the church that my parents and I were involved with was like a 45 minute drive from where we lived. Right. There's the cultural context of being Korean and wanting to be around Koreans and, and all of that. So it was just, I had so many question marks mm. about how do I live my faith beyond knowing all the answers mm -hmm. beyond being able to memorize and recite the apostles creed and the lord's prayer each service mm -hmm. beyond all that mm -hmm. right how do i live this out mm -hmm. so i remember before university this summer before university i was i was walking on a website through all the different christian clubs at the uh, for the university of british columbia and, and i remember coming across this one called campus crusade for christ mm -hmm. And, and reading about that being, and it was, and the whole description was the Great Commission, basically. So I was like, I got to join that. And that was really, for me, the start of when I first saw the spiritual multiplication chart and mm. the idea of multiplication and that idea of, yeah, if you disciple three people, that then disciple three people, that then, then we can see, right? We can, we can reach the, the world with the gospel. And then going on a mission trip that first summer to six weeks where I, where I, uh, to East Asia, where I 
discerned a call to vocational ministry. I also met my wife on the trip. She also was a student with Campus Crusade for Christ. And but it was that where I really learned about that that heart for multiplication. And and then the next summer I did a mission trip in Montreal. And that was a how do you work? It, it was really a three month project of hey, get a job, work, cultivate friendships. What does it look like to live in a missional manner? Where yes, mm. you're 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 building those rela- it's connected. Where you're building those relationships, you're you're living in community. You're you're showing and pointing people toward Christ. You're being discipled. There's that multiplication. So that was probably the seeds in and through Campus mm. Crusade for Christ, where I, it was really they really began sowing in me. And then from that, the church I was in in Montreal is a church plant. Did multi site. Korea. It was a 50,000 person church there that just had multiple. I mean, the only way you can get to a size like that is if multiplication is first and foremost on your mindset, because it wasn't just that in Korea, but they had ministries and churches all around the globe. And then being a part of Beulah, 102 year old church mission, mission was at the forefront of the church. And I have so many great stories about that. And and then Mm. when I was at Lifeway, I was a director of church multiplication resourcing churches on how to multiply and and how to capture that heart regardless of the method church planning or multi-site and so so the, the, if, if you can kind of catch the theme it's just been this yeah i mean the harvest is plentiful the workers are few how do i spend this this small short life that i have to be about god's kingdom and, and showing people and pointing people to his kingdom Mm, yeah, well, thanks so much for sharing that journey. I think that's really helpful and so interesting. I mean, to hear you say you knew what the Great Commission was, but you had no idea how to go about it. And I just nope. wonder how many millions of Christians are sitting in the pews with a heart to 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 obey Jesus. They they yeah, want to yeah. do what he said, but they have no idea what it means. And that's not just a problem in, in Canada or the US, but I actually talked to a, uh, one of my students in our, our course. I have a course called Getting Started in Disciple Making Movements. And he was from Pakistan. And he said the same thing. He said, until I took your course, I knew about the Great Commission, but had no idea what to do about it. Yeah, you know? right on. And I think there's so yeah. many people like that. And uh, what a challenge and call to those of us who are pastors or are in ministry to not just tell people what to do, but yeah. to tell them how to do the Great Commission, how to fulfill that. And um, yeah, that's yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. and you're a pastor now. Maybe we can just uh, segue into that. How how can pastors disciple and train their people equip the saints to do the work of the ministry rather than just being preachers in a pulpit who make, you know, make people entertain with a great sermon and they're, you know, they're transformed to some degree, but they're not equipped, which is a model we see a lot. How can Mm -hmm. pastors be intentional about really discipling and training their people? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love, I love what John Stott says about preaching. He says that, and this is a paraphrase, but he said that the most powerful moment, the most transformational side of preaching is that moment when the words have left the mouth of the preacher and before they enter into the ears, the minds, and the heart of the listeners, mm-hmm. right? It's that moment when the Holy Spirit takes whatever has been prepared however it was said and transforms that into the 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 word that each member each person listening needs to hear and what i love about that is is and and john stott is i mean he's a legend in in his writing and his thinking in all of that regardless of where you might be denominationally or theologically Mm -hmm. but when you think about just that it actually puts more emphasis on the work of the Holy Spirit than it does on anything else. It doesn't negate the prep that the preaching need, the preacher needs to have, or even the environment in which preaching is being done, whether it's under a tree, out in a field, or it's in an air-conditioned or heated auditorium with flashing lights and a big sound system, right? Regardless of the any of that. The most important part of that preaching process is the Holy Spirit's work 
and what the Holy Spirit will do. And I share that because I have a deep conviction that if a pastor wants to create an environment where his his or her people are 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 obeying the Great Commission, listening to obeying and 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 in their neighborhoods and among those they live, work, study, and play with, making disciples that make disciples that make disciples. If if that is to happen, we need to have faithful preaching that talks about how important discipleship is that Mm -hmm. following Jesus isn't just about following him, but it's about being with him, becoming like him and doing what he did. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think there's this obsession with, yeah, Jesus is, Oh, I should ethically, I should be like him ethically or look at the virtues that he did. And, and, and following Christ, there's this character development side of it. And, and yes, but it's the Holy Spirit that shapes you. It's the Holy Spirit that transforms you. And it's the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit that then equips and empowers you through faithful preaching and teaching to then to then be a disciple that makes disciples. So first and foremost, pastors, are you actually preaching the vision of disciple making, mm-hmm. trusting the Holy Spirit, right? Are you preaching and compellingly c- communicating that in, in an ongoing way? That's number one. But then secondly, are you actually making disciples? Mm-hmm. And are you today making disciples? And that's the piece where when you think about uh, preaching, there is a sense of exegesis and, and the hermeneutics of and the, and the interpretation and the uh, sure. explanation of the text. But then when you think about the illustrations you're using, are you actually normalizing disciple making? Like, is mm-hmm. that just a part of your conversations where, where you're not even in a message that has nothing to do with making disciples? Are you actually talking about the way that you make disciples without talking about the way you make disciples based on your story, right? Mm-hmm. And not mm-hmm. stories from 20 years ago, stories from 20 days ago or stories from right now, right? Mm-hmm. So I think in, in answering your question, I, I start with preaching because uh, if you're, if you're, the lead pastor or senior pastor, you're preaching on a regular basis. That's a huge way to shape culture. Mm -hmm. And it's not, and I'm not just talking about the messages about disciple making. I'm talking about the stories that you share and to share those stories, you need to actually be living it out. Right. Beyond that, for me personally, if I just bring it down to that personal level, that's why I disciple a group of at any time it's a, it's been, as small as a group of three and, and, and as large as a group of six, five or six of us, where for me, it's as every other week I'm connecting with the same guys and I'm not, I'm not pontificating for two hours. Right. The, and, and I don't know, I don't, I don't want to give too much of what the two hour gathering looks like because I don't want to be prescriptive or say, this is how you got to do it. But mm-hmm. in the two hours it's life on life. I'm not, it's not me prepping a lecture for two hours or a Bible study. It's how am I helping them see themselves in the story of God in, in understand, okay, do you know how to ask questions of the text? Do you know how to, how to pull that out and, and have conversation and where we're intersecting what the word of God is saying in and through our lives and being able to, and then teaching them how to pray and teaching them how to follow Jesus and doing this in a collective manner. So for me, I'm like, I have to do that because I don't want to pre, I don't, I don't want to lead people and, to, and, and, to do something that I'm not personally doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and right. So, so that's, that's for me where I'm not every week talking about this group that I lead. But it's this, I, I'm embedded, I am local, I'm contextual, or it's just like, yeah, I want to go deep with these guys. Now, Jesus had the three, the 12, the, the seven, mm-hmm. et cetera, right? And, and, and there is this sense of, yeah, who are these that I'm really pouring my life into? And then there's other groups that I do that too. And then through leaders that make leaders and such, but that's, yeah, that's a little bit of that. Mm, no, so good. And I hear you talking really about the, you know, the, you started by talking about orthodoxy versus orthopraxy, mm-hmm. you know, for some, some of our uh, people who English isn't their first language, they may oh, not yeah. know what those two terms mean, but, um, yeah. you know, taking it from the knowledge based to yeah. the practical 
And yeah, that's right. Yeah. The way that you're doing that through your stories that you tell, through the life that you're modeling, mm-hmm. um, you know, we can't be making disciples, telling people to make disciples if we're not modeling what it looks like that's to right. make disciples and not just right. making disciples of Christians, but mm-hmm. also with unbelievers oh, that 100%. we are reaching out to and you know yeah. telling those kinds of stories about yesterday i was at the grocery store and i talked to this guy in the line or whatever it is but yeah. giving yeah. that model of uh, a pastor who engages with the lost mm-hmm. um is what i hear you yeah. s- hear you saying a hundred percent i mean our vision at beulah is to awaken greater edmonton to king jesus mm-hmm. and when you Love look that. at that yeah I, I it's it's so neat because what what's so compelling about that both at the individual and at the corporate level is there's a sense of okay what will it take to awaken 1.6 million people to king jesus Mm. not one church we want to multiply but it takes a lot of churches It's going to take a lot of churches from a lot of different denominations to reach that many people but not just that there is a church focused strategy on multiplication but then there's the end it, it takes individuals right mm-hmm. if you have a hundred people gathering with you on a weekly basis or a thousand people or ten people right that's how many you have that you could potentially influence but if every person is intentionally blessing and investing into relationships with four or five other people right i'm not just talking about the network that we all have but four or five people then that means a a hundred person congregation can have a reach of 500 right and then you just multiply that out over and over and over again so so that's where for me it's just this sense of yeah how do we how do we equip our church family to neighbor well trusting mm-hmm. that it's the holy spirit that's going to transform people's hearts lead people to himself lead people to king jesus but are we neighboring and and part of the disciple making process for me yeah we are regularly praying for and cultivating relationships with our neighbors trusting the holy spirit to do the work and to bring about those conversations that need to happen mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about that what does it mean mm-hmm. to neighbor well you yeah. talked about praying. Um, that's something, you know, we, we're always teaching, you know, pray for the lost list that you have, a group of yeah, people sure. that you know, your oikos, who are, mm-hmm. you know, regularly start with prayer. And as we pray for people, our heart grows for them. And we're yeah. much more mm-hmm. willing to step into those conversations. So I love that you mentioned yeah. prayer. What else besides prayer is involved in neighboring well? Yeah. So I love, I love the acronym bless. And this is from Mm -hmm. Dave and John Ferguson at community Christian church. And it stands for begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, and story. And Mm -hmm. we've been teaching this at Beulah for over 10 years. And what I love about it is it's just a very, it, it helps normalize mission. Mm -hmm. It normalizes neighboring to say, yeah, you know what, regardless of, whether you know where Ephesians is and Exodus and, and you know, one's in the old Testament, one's in the new, like, regardless of any of that, can you begin every day with prayer Mm. and with the prayer of here I am Lord, Mm. can you then listen, listen to the Holy spirit, listen, you know, in, in scripture reading, in having time with God, can you listen to others actually be a better listener than a, a, a blabber or a speaker in conversation with other people? Just get really good at asking questions because mm-hmm. everyone loves talking about themselves. <laughs> Everyone's mm-hmm. not good at asking questions, but there's that sense of, yeah, can you get good at asking questions and then eat right in all the meals that you have? Can you eat? Can you intentionally prioritize eating with those who are far from God? And then, because as you do that, opportunities will arise to serve them, to look for, and then as you do that, there's going to be natural opportunities to then share your story with them. Mm-hmm. So that's that's that idea of neighboring, and that's the thing that we talk a lot about at Beulah. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I, I had the privilege of interviewing Dave about that book oh, okay. and yeah. oh, stuff so good. quite a while ago, but I, I love that blessed concept. It's so good and so appropriate especially i think for every context but especially in the west where 
so many people in the U.S. don't or Canada don't even have a they don't even know their neighbor's name, let yeah, alone right. engage in conversation. And you know, I, I whenever we're in the states, that's always my first project. You know, the first couple of weeks is okay. Now, who moved into this neighborhood? And just at least greeting them and starting with yeah, that, right. you know, and getting yeah. to know their names and and who they are, and then beginning to move into those conversations. Um, just about yeah about life before you can even start to talk about um about the lord and and like you mm-hmm. like you said having those i love that about being intentional about eating with people who don't yet know god um yeah, yeah. that's so good yeah mm-hmm. um i also really appreciate what you said about the holy spirit and the role mm-hmm. of the holy spirit in all of this and um the role of the holy spirit when we when we preach the word yeah. convicting and working in people's lives and just wanted to put a exclamation point on that. I think in the discovery Bible study, which is one of the things that we teach in disciple making movements is a reliance on the Holy spirit that he actually yeah. can speak to mm-hmm. people. If we just get the word in front of them and let them start to uh, meditate on it by talking about yeah. it. Um, yeah. A hundred percent. And I think in, in a lot of our modern models, we probably, I I am heavily strategic. I love strategy. I love all that. So that's naturally system strategy is where I go. But I think there's probably been an over-reliance on systems and strategy to the, at the expense of under-relying on the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And and there is a there is a sense, right? Man makes his plans, but the Lord determines his steps. But yeah, like yeah, we gotta make our plans and, and it's it's you know, you can't do the pendulum swings, but what does the Holy Spirit's work look like? So I'll I'll give you an example. I love I love talking about Acts chapter nine. We talk about it all the time when it comes to our vision. I, I it's it the story of Acts nine makes its way into my next book quite a bit uh the next mm. book that i is coming out with nav press next year and and it's it's a little bit of a no silver bullets 2.0 it's called discipleship in the new world a mm. toolkit to reach the sleepers seekers and consumers in the church today mm. and one of the things that i talk about in this book is this story of acts chapter 9 because there's this there's really three characters there's ananias saul and king jesus and what's fascinating about this whole interaction, because we often just focus on the Damascus story and, and Saul and you know him meeting Jesus miraculously, Saul's conversion, Saul to Paul, and that's really what we focus on. But when you read in between the lines, or, or not even really in between the lines, when you just look at these three characters, it's fascinating because Saul, when King Jesus shoulder taps Saul, Saul says, who are you, Lord? Right? He doesn't say, get behind me, Satan. He says, who are you, Lord? So mm-hmm. he doesn't recognize the voice. He recognizes it as God, but he doesn't recognize the voice. Who are you, Lord? And then Jesus talks to him and, and does everything that he does. But then Jesus then shoulder taps Ananias and Ananias says, here I am, Lord. Mm-hmm. Right? What a contrast. Who are you, Lord, versus here I am, Lord. What do we know about Ananias? There's three Ananiases in the New Testament. One that dropped dead because he was greedy, Ananias and Sapphira. And then we have the high priest Ananias. And then we got this Ananias. The only thing that we know about this Ananias is that he was a disciple of Jesus and he lived in Damascus. That's it. We don't really know anything else about him. Yet this disciple had the privilege of baptizing Saul. Mm leading Saul to the to Jesus being a part of miraculously opening his eyes uh, welcoming him as the first Christian he didn't uh, he didn't leave Damascus when maybe the other disciples left because persecution was coming he stayed he was rooted he was local and then he had the privilege of baptizing Saul so it's fascinating about this is we literally don't know anything about this Ananias and here's the reason I'm sharing this with you Cynthia what would it look like if that became the vision of our disciple making movements that we would just focus on raising up Ananiases where you don't know anything about the guy, but really 
what you are cultivating in this person is a heart that'll say before knowing what we have to do it's always here i am lord mm. here i am lord and that's what i want to do that's that's our vision at beulah that's our vision with with what this book that i that i wrote as well there there's a sense of yeah how do we cultivate and raise up disciples that just say here i am lord do the lord's will and are forgotten <laughs> right where we're not making names for ourselves it's all about the name of king jesus mm. yeah so good and it's it's i'm so glad you highlighted that just that god would choose an ordinary guy he wasn't you know some famous uh high priest he was just an no. ordinary guy who god could trust would say here i am yeah, lord that's right. i'm ready that's right. whatever you say i'm ready to do it this obedient disciple unknown yeah. unnamed you know i mean we know his name but that's about all we know like you said yeah. and I just love God delights in using ordinary people to do these amazing things. I mean, what what if he hadn't, you know, been available yeah. or you know, been willing <laughs> yeah. or or You're even right. not not been empowered to even baptize him and yeah. you know yeah, help him right. take that that's step, right. you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, this I mean, we would have. Yeah, I mean, we would have heard about someone else, right, doing it because because the Lord is God will find someone. The Lord yeah. will find someone. But but what a what an amazing story right, to be used by God in that way. And, and I feel like that needs to be at the heart of our movements and the heart of our mission in making mm -hmm. disciples that it's like, yeah, it's how do you develop disciples who are obedient, not to you, but to Jesus, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. and, and have right. that immediate here I am, Lord, sort of heart. Mm -hmm. And hear his voice in that way. Yeah, also. yeah. well, that's yeah. what, yeah, because he yeah. could. Right. I mean, he was a disciple. There were things yeah. that he learned how to do and and he learned how to pray because it wasn't prayers two way. And, and he had this ability to hear the voice of Jesus, discern the voice of Jesus. How, what does that look like when it comes to to being a disciple that makes disciples and and having the confidence to be like, are you sure? <laughs> right. And he had that sort of relationship with Jesus where he could say that he's like, yes, right. here I am, Lord. But are you sure you want me to go talk to him? Like that, that create, that's a depth of relationship where he could do mm, that. Right. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this is a, a good transition into another question I wanted to ask you about talking about the priesthood of all believers and mm. this new con new Testament concept that in so many ways, um, many people don't practice practice. They know it up here. Yeah. They intellectually mm. assent to it, but we don't, necessarily see the priesthood of all believers played out in many situations. So talk a little bit more about that, the priesthood of all believers. And again, how do you help people to see who they are, you know, who are mm -hmm. in the church that you pastor? Or how would you speak to pastors in that, in that regard? Yeah. Ephesians four is the thing that immediately comes to mind where it's, it's, there's, there's been this mindset around, yeah, we got to identify our spiritual gifts. We got to identify our callings. We need to know, are we more apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, or teachers, right? We need to know that we need to know our gift and we need to know what we're good at. And that is so important to live into the calling that God has called us to. But, but, but when you look at Ephesians four, it's so that you can equip it's so that you can equip. It's not just so that you can function in that prophetic calling or whatever calling role you have in the body of Christ. It's so that you can equip the saints for the work of ministry. Mm -hmm. And there is this sense where, yeah, we need to be leaders that develop leaders that multiply leaders, etc. But and, and we need to know who we are to be able to do that. But what is the end? It's not just so that we would have followers but so that we could have others and equip and release others to then go and equip others and release others and et cetera, on and on and on it goes. So how do you accomplish the great commission, right? How do you, how do you do that? It's not by the few, it's by the all. And mm -hmm. when you think about this idea of, of mobilizing the laity or equipping your church, I mean, if, if we are as, as leaders are more concerned with job security, then then releasing and equipping the lay it was like oh but i won't have a job or, or i won't have this they need to i need to be a linchpin or i need to do this i need to be the person no i mean i've never seen anyone get fired for 
being an expert volunteer developer recruiter <laughs> and, and really I've never seen that right you you get you get fired if you if you can't multiply yourself and and that's the piece where it's not just about job security it's this it's this mission that God has where he's like yeah you know what the kingdom is here but it's not fully here what is our role in helping see the kingdom continue to grow because mm. he's gonna do it God's gonna do it with or without us mm. but please Lord use me right please mm. Lord help me be a part of what you're doing yeah so yeah absolutely so good and um part of why I I really wanted to talk to you Daniel was because I knew that you had a passion and a heart as a pastor for equipping people and for disciple multiplication. And you're not necessarily in the disciple making movement CPM space uh, per se, but I know mm -hmm. you're in the church space and, and mm -hmm. really, you know, looking as to how you can multiply disciples and churches that multiply. And I love yeah. that you've embraced a citywide vision, mm -hmm. um, not just a church vision. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's again, very much disciple making movement, uh, thinking as well, you know, we're yeah. always talking about let's embrace a city and have a broader vision than just what our church can do. Um, but tell me a little bit how you've engaged with disciple making movements, church planning movements, and even any concerns or criticisms you may have. I think it's really important for us to sometimes hear from people outside our little circle, <laughs> so to speak, yeah. um, you know, and concerns or things yeah. that you think we should be thinking about. Yeah. I, I appreciate the question. It's a bold question to ask, <laughs> but brave maybe or stupid. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Okay. But... <laughs> I wouldn't say stupid. Brave, brave and bold maybe. It's, it's it's a good question to ask because you're right. I do live a lot more in the church space than I do in the in the in in the church multiplication movements, church planning movements, disciple making movements sort of space. I've studied your side of space but i would say i'm more on the church side than sure. than 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 your side so when i look at all the literature in and around and the principles around church planning movements and disciple making movements and all of that there's so much there's so much there that the church needs to and especially the western church or established churches need to understand and embrace for example i'm thinking about the one where is the bar too high on theological education right and and is there this sense where you can never get to move mental energy when you require it, it, you know you, you have to go to seminary at a particular place that costs tens of thousands of dollars that it, you know there so there's this barrier around that and, and when you look at how the church multiplied in korea or in china or in, in in india or in any of these other places where there's just been such rapid growth yeah what is what does that question around preparedness and theological education look like right mm -hmm. like there'd be no way that pastors in north america would qualify to be pastors in china because we haven't gone to jail right we haven't been we haven't experienced that person so what do we know that they don't know what do they know that we don't know mm. and there's a sense where yeah how can we learn how, how can we humbly learn from one another mm. right so i i don't know if i would have a criticism as much as a wow i love what god is doing in and around the world how can the church learn from that, how can the Western church, and in my context in North America, how can we learn from multiplication movements around the world? So I don't, I, you know, Cynthia, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being shy. I don't know if I, I would have <laughs> as much of a criticism as a can, you know, is, is there actually learning going both ways? Because mm. I, I don't know if a lot of my peers would say that they have as, that they have read as much and I, I'm not that well read. I've read a few and I've studied a little bit. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm an expert in your space, but would my peers want to learn? Have they been learning from your space and vice versa? Would those mm -hmm. in your space, are, are you learning or are you dismissing the fact that we have buildings that are millions of dollars? And yes, a lot of our money goes toward operations and roofs and mm -hmm. things. And there is this question of, 
yeah, but if you sold everything, if you sold everything and put that toward mission, wouldn't we be that much further ahead? And I, I get that. I get that thinking, but there is the sense of, yeah, but if you throw the baby out with the bathwater, there are actually people who would never eventually get to, and we could not pass, that we wouldn't be able to pasture to catching that vision of multiplication, right? There's this in-between ground mm. of consumer to disciple making. And I don't know how long that is. It's different for everyone, but there mm -hmm. is this sense where if you throw out all of our current structures, I don't know if maybe we actually miss out. Some people might be like, yeah, but that's the thing that's preventing people from, from going to be disciple makers that are making this. And, and maybe that's true, but I'm of the opinion of, yeah, but the, the Lord is working in these structures. Absolutely. The Lord is working. I can't tell you the number of stories that I've had of people being woken up or, or, or having this sense of, I need to go to a church today. And they've not been to a church in decades or have ever been to a church. And there's something in them. It's the Holy Spirit, right? That's, that's, that's prompting their hearts to, you know, leaving the 99, go after the one. And, and where did they go? They didn't go to a house, a house church, because they wouldn't know where that house church is. Mm. They went, they, they Googled churches in West Edmonton. That's what they did. And they found our church because we're on Google and on the web, you know, we have all, and we have buildings around the city and they came and visit and they, and this one guy, Richard, and he gave his life to Christ and mm -hmm. he's brought another friend who is there coming faithfully. And there's story after story of, of the Lord using this form mm -hmm. as much as the other form. So I think we need to learn from each other. <laughs> That's what yeah. I'm saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, that's part of why I wanted to be bold and ask the question is because I yeah. really believe that I, um, you know, I think like you talked about callings, God's really called me to this particular approach and space yeah. and to train mm -hmm. people in it. But I really do believe we have so much to learn from one another and we are ultimately one body. You know, yeah. <laughs> the church yeah. is is all of this. It's church yeah. and building, church and house, church and coffee shop, church in the street, church without walls, whatever. We're all yeah. one body. And um, I think when we start dismissing um, each other's methods and mm. that's that's really a it's an unfortunate sad thing that I think breaks the heart of God because it's all his body and yeah, we do yeah, have right. so much so much to celebrate together that's so right. much to learn from one another mm -hmm. and um I love that you mentioned Richard you know uh, my husband when we were first youth pastoring in southern Indiana there was this man who walked into the church and we, we were 22 or something you know barely barely knew what we were doing. <laughs> yeah. We were at the church because the pastor was off somewhere and this man yeah. walks in off the street and says, I need to meet God. What do I do? Mm -hmm. You know, and we led him to the Lord and um, yeah. absolutely true. God uses, um, uses the church building as well. Um, and, uh, but yeah, obviously I think we're both passionate about if those people in the building are just coming to the building, sitting there and not becoming activated, um, and equipped, then yeah. um, we're not going to see multiplication and that vision mm -hmm. to reach the city. But um, yeah. yeah, and going back to prayer, whose responsibility is it to activate them? Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, there is a role regarding forms and functions and 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 preaching and and are you creating an environment where consumerism thrives or people need to 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 move forward? There's all of that to play. But I actually mm -hmm. think it's more up to the Holy Spirit in their mm -hmm. lives to bring about a shift of heart to then mm -hmm. say, oh, okay, I'm ready, or I see this. And mm -hmm. it's the sense of, yeah, Lord, would you, would you disrupt? Would you shift? Would you awaken? And that's, that's why we use the word that we do in our vision, because mm -hmm. we're thinking, Lord, and I pray this every, all the time, every week. Lord, would you awaken the spiritually blind, sleeping, and dead to yourself? Would you do it? I can't do it. Would you do it? Mm. Would you awaken them? Would you would you raise up these dry bones? Right? Because these dry bones 
in Ezekiel were beyond white. They were bleached. They were so dead. And then, and then God says, will you speak to them? So there's a role that we have. There's a role that God has in, in how he wants to awaken the spiritually blind, sleeping and dead, not only in greater Edmonton, but around the world for his glory. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's whether they're sitting in a church pew or whether they're even attending a small group Bible study for seekers, yeah. it's got to mm-hmm. be the Holy Spirit who awakens. Yeah. Right. Uh, and yet, like you said so well, casting that vision, living that model is all yeah. part of that picture of how God normally goes about awakening it. That was true in my life. I heard that in your story as you went to Campus Crusade and saw, mm-hmm. wow, there's people doing this. This is possible. Yeah. You saw yeah. the models and you, your heart was awakened through that and, and uh, yeah. envisioned and you were given hope and power to step yeah. into that. Um, yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Well, what a joy it's been to have this conversation with you. Tell us a little bit, again, how can people get a hold of your books or materials if they want to learn more from you? Um, yeah. How do people get in touch? Yeah, totally. Uh, so if you go to danielm.com, and my last name is I-M, danielm.com, then there's links to my books there and social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all that stuff. And and or if it's easier for you to go to Amazon or if you're outside of North America, Book Depository is a great site that um, that they have all my books as well. So, yeah, you can just right. look up my name and, and, and find them there. Oftentimes, Daniel Tiger comes up, too. OK, when you search Daniel M. <laughs> so that's the Mr. Rogers thing. But, yeah, you'll feel to to find my books that way as well. <laughs> That's great. Well, we will put um, your links as well in our show notes and things and try to connect people to these excellent resources. And I've been so blessed by them and by our conversation today. I wonder if we could just wrap up by if if you, you know, thinking of our audience, we have a lot of people from Africa, from Asia, as well as from North America and Europe who listen. But what would you, what encouragement would you give to those who are, they're in the trenches, they've been trying to make and multiply disciples. As you know, it's messy, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's easy to hear about these amazing movements mm-hmm. and then you get started in those first few years, especially can be really hard going. It seems mm-hmm. so small. What, 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 what encouragement would you give to them personally or from the word or? Yeah. As you ask that question, 1 Corinthians 3 is the thing that immediately pops to my mind, right? Where we're called to plant and water and the Lord brings about the growth. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to root our identity in what we do, going mm-hmm. back to that book, or root yeah. our identity in in the results and make that who we are or, you know, and, and focus ourselves on all that. But really... All we're called to do is say, here I am, Lord. Mm. All we're called to do is to plant and water seeds. God may bless us to see the fruit of that in our lifetime, mm. but whether he does or not, it's not our, it's not our mission, it's his mission. Mm-hmm. And he has invited the King of Kings And the Lord of Lords has individually extended his hand out and said, you, I want you to follow me. I saw you under the fig tree, right? I saw you over there doing that thing. My eye has been on you. I know the number of hairs that are on your head or if you're bald that are, that used to be on your head, (laughs) right? I I know it all, right? And Mm -hmm. I have chosen you. If you say no, I will choose someone else, but I've chosen you will you follow me day in day out and that's 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 what what comes to my mind because my goodness god could use anyone i'm so grateful he's choosing to use me so let's let's approach our lives with that stewardship mindset with that gratitude and i just wonder how god might surprise us Absolutely. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know he's probably surprised you. He's surprised me. Oh, that, yeah. You know, if I would have <laughs> ever imagined I'd be doing what I'm doing today, you know, 
no way i could yeah, not have believed you know what god has done and and it, it really is still every day just waking up and saying lord here i am yeah whatever sure. you want to do today big or small you know but yeah, help me right. to be faithful help me to hear your voice help me to respond in faith and i'm going to flub around and fail here and there but i'm going to do my best to listen yeah. and obey and um, yeah. And, and God does incredible things with people who will do that. So, yeah, amen uh, to that. well, thank you so much, Daniel. What a joy to get a chance to get uh, acquainted with you a little bit. My first time to meet you. And but I hope we'll meet one day in person somewhere, maybe in Edmonton or yeah. if you're ever, <laughs> ever in Thailand. Look me up for yeah, sure. For sure. Love to yeah. take you out for dinner or something. Give you some good pod Thai or something. Oh, and, uh... yeah. Love Thailand. So, yeah. Thank you, Cynthia. I appreciate you and your ministry and, and blessings me. Uh, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of your listeners. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah. Making disciples and sharing Jesus with those around you can be difficult. We need help to keep our faith alive as we step out to do new things. Faith to Move Mountains, stirring our faith to believe for movements among the unreached is a 30-day devotional that will encourage your heart and build your faith. In it, I and my co-author, Kevin Sutter, share a scripture, a story, and a challenge each day from years of frontline experience working in tough places. Like I said, making disciples can be hard, progress is often slow, and breakthroughs seem distant. This devotional will kickstart your faith for a movement of disciples in your area. Grab a copy on Amazon.com today. Wow, what an amazing interview. I had so much fun listening to Daniel and learning from his insights. And I loved how he talked in the beginning about the difference between orthodoxy or just communicating knowledge and orthopraxy and being practical and equipping the saints for the work in the ministry as pastors and leaders. He talked also about the role of the Holy Spirit and how important it is that we rely on the Holy Spirit. Whether we're preaching a sermon, it's the Holy Spirit who convicts and brings that moment of change in someone's heart, or whether we're doing a discovery Bible study with someone, we need the Holy Spirit to take the word of God and make it alive in our hearts and lives and in those that we're reaching out to. We talked also about how pastors can activate their people. And he said, preach a vision for disciple making, normalize disciple making by including stories about it in your sermons and also being a disciple maker so that you're telling stories that are fresh and real that you've been involved with lost people, you've been involved in disciple making yourself. And we can't do something, we can't get our people to do something that we aren't actively doing ourselves. And that goes for movement leaders as well as pastors and leaders who are leading churches. Um, I loved how he talked about train your people to neighbor well. Yeah, how are we doing at neighboring well? How am I doing at neighboring well right here in my community in Thailand? And how can we equip people to be good neighbors, to really love their neighbors as themselves and engage with them and have those conversations, get to know them, begin to pray for them? Uh, so that was wonderful to hear how Daniel's doing that in his church there in Edmonton. He also talked about a new book that isn't yet released, but where he talks a lot in that book about Acts chapter 9, where Paul encounters Jesus, King Jesus on the road. And the other player in that story is Ananias, this ordinary guy who hears from God and says, here am I, Lord, here am I. I'm available, and he's willing to step into that situation and and baptize Paul, who has uh, Saul, who's just become Paul, and how God uses ordinary people um, to do these extraordinary things and lead people to faith, who then become, you know world changers like the apostle paul did um, i also loved having this conversation with him about the importance of really honoring the traditional church 
learning from them and also how traditional church pastors have much to learn from the DMM CPM world and space and things that are happening there globally and even in the U.S. as well. And we are one body. And how can we really honor and learn from one another, appreciate what God is doing through one another while all of us go after equipping the saints for the work of the ministry in greater ways. And then the closing of just his challenge and exhortation to us to sow seeds, be faithful, be that person who says, here I am, Lord, send me. So my takeaway from this call is I want to neighbor well today. I want to be a good neighbor today. Pray for my neighbors, reach out to them in relationship, notice them. And I want to be that person who says, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, whatever you have for me today, I'm available to be a disciple maker to those that you've placed in my life right here around me. God bless you guys. Have a great week and we will see you back here in the next Dare to Multiply. That's all we've got for this episode of the Dare to Multiply podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you tune in to listen. Also, make sure to link up with us at dmmsfrontiermissions.com slash blog on social media. And please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Until next time, remember, God's dreams for us are always bigger than we can imagine.